Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm just going to enjoy this moment, if that's okay, because here we are back able to preach to people, to faces, which I particularly appreciate. Um, haven't really enjoyed the recording sermons kind of thing, you know, where, you know, got to do another take on that, another take on that. And uh, so I feel like when it's recorded, I get a little bit more robotic, hopefully now, you know, so when you, when you sign up for those things online and it t- you have to tick a box to say, I'm not a robot, I get a message that says, We've seen you online sermons, and actually, we're not sure. Um, so hopefully today, there's a little bit more freedom, and I can, I can uh, relax. But it's great to be back and to be able to see people and, and to uh, preach to an actual uh, congregation, people that I can see. So uh, the other thing that I'm going to enjoy is that I'm talking about Paul. We're doing Philippians uh, talking about the letter to the Philippians, I feel like there's a little bit of a, maybe a competition, friendly competition, because we're, we're up in the ante each week, okay? So just to let you know, if you're not aware, uh, so my name's Mark, Mark Button, I'm part of the church here, of course, I help out on uh, the broadcast team. But in my job, I teach at Bible College, and uh, so not only have I done a master's, where I did my dissertation on Paul, um, not only am I doing a PhD like Dan uh, on Paul, uh, but I also teach. That's the subject I teach at Bible College, mainly. I teach a whole load of other things as well, but Paul is my main subject. So I don't know what you're making of that. <laughs> like, get a real job. I don't know. Um, but for me, I just love this stuff. And actually, for me, it really matters. Now, I have to say, like Elena, I have a bit of a love-hate or had a bit of a love-hate relationship with Paul. Because we've got these 13 letters in the New Testament that bear his name. And I knew, as a Christian, you know, growing up in church, I knew that they're important, okay? Because it makes up a good portion of the New Testament, yeah? You know, we've got Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and all sorts of things like that. But sometimes Paul in his letters, and if you've ever read them, you might just get a sense of this, it doesn't always come across as the easiest guy to get along with, okay? So, particularly with Galatians, it's quite feisty. <laughs> um, he calls them foolish Galatians at one point. And there's this episode in Acts where it says that him and... Um, hang on. There we go. I think I need to move this down. I was actually dreading getting up and being muted, you know, and everyone would be like, Mark, you're on mute, you're on, you know, the Zoom thing. Um, so, uh, so with the Galatians, uh, yeah, he's, he calls them foolish Galatians. And then in Acts, there's this little episode where him and Barnabas have a falling out over John Mark. And I don't know, maybe it's just me and my view of myself, but I kind of imagine that I might be like the John Mark character sometimes. You know, maybe I don't quite make Paul's grade. And later on, he does, Paul says, you know, send John Mark to me, he'd be useful for, for service. But I kind of feel like I'd be more the Barnabas person in that uh, situation, like, oh, he didn't mean it, oh, he's okay. I don't know what he did, but, you know, obviously there was a falling out over this person. 
And so I kind of had this feeling that Paul comes across a little bit aggressive at times, and I'm not sure how easy to get on with he would be, which is why I decided when I did my master's, I should learn something more about Paul. I should do some study, I should find out and get to know him. And that started a whole, you know, this relationship and this love for Paul and getting to know what he's like. And actually, now I've grown to understand and to love who he is and what he teaches, and actually to see things that I've not necessarily seen before in the letters. Sorry, this keeps pinging back. Um, and, you know, for me, it really matters because we as a church, we teach things, we do things based on what Paul says in his letters. This is why I love it. This is why I want to study because I want to help the church grow and for people to be all that they can be. And so we need to understand who Paul is what he said, what he taught. So I'm going to get to talk about that this morning. We're going to do Philippians chapter 3. So I'm going to start reading and then we're going to get into some thoughts uh, this morning with all of this. So Philippians chapter 3. In good Pentecostal fashion, Paul is halfway through and starts with, finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, You've got a little bit more to go yet, Paul. Also, what's interesting about this letter is that most people think that he's writing to thank them for a gift, that that's the main purpose. And yet he leaves it until the very last thing that he says. So people are like, you know, you've got to get to the point quicker. But anyway, so this is why he says, Philippians 3, finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me, and for you it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs. (laughs) This is Paul's uh, happy nature coming out. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, even though I too have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless." I'm just going to pause there for a moment to to just unpack what Paul is talking about. So he's saying, he's kind of giving his resume, his CV, and he's he's contrasting. And for some of you, you might be thinking, what is all this about flesh and things like that? And what's, what's he talking about? Paul was a Jew, and he grew up believing and passionate about the things that the Jewish people stood for. And just like, you know, today we have, uh, you know, we talk about Christianity, Christians, but we get different streams of tradition, don't we? We have Baptists and Church of England, Methodists, uh, Pentecostal, all those kinds of things. It was the same kind of thing in Paul's time. You had all different strands of how people were responding to the world that they lived in. And Paul belonged to a particular group, the Pharisees. And I know that when you read the Gospels, they kind of get this bad reputation for being the opponents of of Jesus. And some of that is fair. But they were trying to live holy, uh, um, righteous lives, interpreting the law as they understood it. Their intention was sometimes, or in most cases, good. They didn't always outwork it or practice it in the right way because they made other people feel guilty and outside of God's love and 
hello, challenges for today, that we can be sometimes so, you know, uh, uh, trying to be right and correct before God that other people don't feel they can be a part of that community. So Paul was a Pharisee, and he was persecuting the church. This was how extreme he went, that he was like, I am zealous for God, zealous to the point of committing acts of violence against the people. But he says something really interesting here. He says, um, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now we need to just pause for a moment because we get this idea of Paul that before he encountered Christ, before he became a Christian, that he was sort of walking around thinking, oh my goodness, what do I need to do in order to you know, be right before God? And actually in his own mind, now this is the point, in his own eyes, in his own understanding, he didn't have this tortured conscience. He thought he was doing okay. He thought he was doing the right thing. And I don't know if there's situations in your life um, where maybe there's something that you thought you would never do or never try and then someone introduced you to it and it changed your life forever. Okay? Now, I can only think of two really simple examples for me and they're both food connected, all right? So, um, we, we, we in our family, we love our food. We love our going out for breakfast and things like that. So let me tell you something you should try if you've never tried it. You'll think, my goodness, really? Bacon and maple syrup with pancakes. Yeah, anyone with me? Now, it doesn't sound, yes, we've got a few hands raised. <laughs> I see that hand. Now, you might think, like, really? Bacon, maple syrup? But let me tell you, once you've tried it, there's no going back. Um, another thing, this is even more important. Sweet and salty popcorn. We got our food delivery and it was wrong. Uh, but the person said to us, no, you really should try this. And it's like, wow, sweet and salty popcorn together. Uh, it's amazing. Don't go to the cinema and ask them to mix the two. It's not quite the same thing. Um, some of you, uh, I, I, and I think I've had this conversation with people here in this church. Um, we, we Brits, we love driving a manual car, don't we? But you, every now and again, you bump into someone who's changed to an automatic. Yeah? And they're like, Wow. There's no going back. I'll never go back to an automatic car. And so we have these things, don't we? Where we've encountered something in life. Those are very simple examples. But once you encounter it, there's no going back. And this is kind of what happens to Paul. Paul is thinking, Paul is walking along. He's thinking, I'm doing okay. Faultless as to the law. And then he encounters Christ on the road to Damascus. Here's the thing. He was okay in his own eyes, but not okay. He was okay, but not okay. And I just think there's a real challenge for us in this, because I think this is the kind of world we're reaching today. There's a lot of people who will live their lives, and they're okay, but not okay, because they're thinking, actually, I'm doing okay. They've got things together in life, you know, they've got a job, they've got a house. And I know not everyone does live like that. Some people really have hit rock bottom. And for those people, sometimes it's easier for them to get to a point of realizing, I need someone in my life, I need something different. And at that point, they're ready. But we encounter a lot of people in our culture who are okay, but not okay. That we're communicating the gospel to people who don't always see their need for Christ. And we need to bring that revelation that they might be thinking they're doing okay. But we go and we proclaim Christ. Amen? Because Jesus changes lives. And we as Christians, we can sit here today and actually 
we can be okay, but not okay. Because we know we're saved. And like Paul, here, we've got these things. He talks about circumcision and there's other rules like Sabbath and food laws and all this kind of stuff. Things that we have as little markers of doing well. And we, we do the same in church today, don't we? And we can sit here, you know, we turn up, we know when to raise our hands, we know when to say amen, we know the Christian language. And actually, we can be okay, but not okay, because actually, underneath the surface, behind the scenes, behind closed doors, there's stuff going on, and we need Jesus to intervene. And so we need people, sorry, just changing here. There we go. Okay, we need to be able to communicate to people either before they come to that point of faith where they're thinking, I'm okay, but they're not okay. And how do we present that message? We need to preach for a revelation. We need to share, Jesus changed my life. And maybe here today, you're in that situation where there could be all sorts of things going on. And we know how to look the part when we come into church. But what's really going on in our lives? Because we don't want to be like Paul where we're okay but not okay. Because Jesus is changing us from one degree of glory to another, which is what Paul writes in another of his letters. And that moves us on because Paul then says in Philippians 3, going on verse 7, he says, Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything loss. Everything is lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, not thinking, hey, I'm doing okay, but I'm not, that comes from the Lord, but that comes, one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may, may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul realizes, I'm okay, but I'm not okay. He encounters Christ. He has this dramatic encounter with Jesus, and it changes him, and he realizes. And what happens is then, every day of his life is lived out knowing Jesus and it's like this thing where as you get to experience it more, the trajectory should be that we come to love Jesus more. Amen? That we actually find, I, just, I need to change. I need to be different. Some of those things, like at the point, if you're here and you know Jesus, at the point you became a Christian, some things changed like that overnight. You know, you stopped being angry. You stopped being Whatever, you stopped with that, that, that grudge, that unforgiveness that you were holding, and Jesus changed it in an instant. But there are other things you'll know in your life that Jesus has had to work on over time, yeah? That things have grown as you have journeyed with Jesus, and things have become different. And that's what it should be, that we keep going, and we, like Paul says here, know Christ. Know the fullness of all that God has for us. Because Jesus wants to lead us into life in all its fullness. But one of the challenges for us is that actually the trajectory can go the other way. That over time we get used to the things that we're doing. And like I was just saying, we know 
we know how to come into the church services. We know the things to say, the things to do. Things become habit in the wrong sense of the word. And actually, that love that we had starts to dull, starts to die down. Some of those things that we know need to change in us, we just ignore them because we can get by. No one else knows about it. And so we need to constantly be in that place of Jesus. I want to know you. I want to know all that you have for me. And I wonder, particularly as we're coming out of this lockdown and COVID times where we've not been meeting together. I wonder if maybe some of us, because I know it's not been easy. It's not been easy when we're watching online services and we haven't been able to connect because we do need community to help us keep journeying with Jesus. And there's a great line in Psalm 51 where David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Now this is after he'd sinned and he'd done wrong before God. But I wonder if there's an experience for people here this morning. Jesus, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Jesus, I want that same passion for you as I had the day I became a Christian. And I want to keep growing. And I want to keep learning. And I want to keep becoming the person you want me to be. And so often, we just have these conditions on our salvation. Yeah, our journey with Jesus, as long as this stays like it is. As long as they don't change that in church. As things work out my way. And Dan was talking about that, you know, when we're praying prayers. Well, if Jesus answers this prayer, then, you know, I really love Jesus. Or circumstances that can affect our love. But I wonder, do we have that joy? That, do we have that same desire? Jesus, I want to know you. Above my, the conditions I may put on it. Above the things that I want. And above my circumstances. And I know we have to journey through those things. I'm not trying to be glib or flippant with them. But I wonder, do we still have that same joy in our salvation today? Have we let it go cold? Or do we say, like Paul, Jesus, I want to know you. And one of the interesting things about that knowing that Paul mentions here is he's looking back at the whole story from creation to the time that Christ came. He's looking back and he's realizing God has done what he said he would do. And those promises in the Old Testament, those things that we've been longing for have now been fulfilled in Jesus. That's what he's talking about, knowing all that we hope for, all that we long for has come to pass in Jesus. Do we have joy in our salvation this morning? Do we have joy in our calling? Do we have that same sense of passion? Do we make it our prayer, Jesus, come change my life. Come, keep leading me. Keep helping me to grow. Or if we may be allowed some of those things just to slip. Because we can just keep going on. And then finally, and now there's a huge bit that I would kind of like to have touched on, but hey, we can't do the whole passage here this morning. But there's this great thing about Paul saying, I've not attained this, but I keep pressing on. And that's the heart that I want to encourage us with this morning. We've got to keep pressing on to reach that goal, to become more like Christ. But then he says this in verse 17, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears, 
their end is destruction, their God is the, be- their, the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Now, if you remember when Dan started this series, he said that sometimes, you know, as a caveat, there are things that are hard to understand in Paul. Okay, this is one of those things. It's like, Paul, what, you, what do you mean that God is their belly um, and their glory is their shame? It's a bit ambiguous, but probably what he's meaning is, and actually a challenge that we can all fall, in, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that we can all fall into, is that people are just setting their minds on unearthly things. You know, they want what's good for them. The selfish motive and, you know, I want my life happy and good and that kind of thing. And maybe that's what he's getting at here. We talk about that God is their belly and the glory is their shame. That actually they're, they're looking for, for selfish gain, selfish ambition, what's right for them, what's good for them, to the point almost of, you know, then um, taking them into sinful things, sinful behavior. So that's kind of maybe what's going on, but it is a little bit ambiguous. But then he says this, our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it's from heaven, from there, that we are expecting a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a really interesting phrase, our citizenship is in heaven. What is Paul meaning? And this is what I want us to get at. We have a hope for the future, but there's work to do today. We have a hope for the future. You see, we can read something like this. Oh, our citizenship is in heaven. And one day we'll go there. And actually, that's not what Paul is getting at in these words. He's saying, your citizenship is in heaven. And by the way, to a group of people that live in a Roman colony whose citizenship is Roman, part of the Roman Empire, and that is valued above all, Paul now says to them, yeah, that's nothing. Your citizenship is in heaven. And now you have to live like that. And so to a, a, a colony of people who are responsible for extending Roman rule and reign where they are, Paul's picking up on that and he's saying, your citizenship is in heaven. And now you live out. Yes, you have a hope for the future. We await a savior from heaven, but there's work to do today. I don't know what it's like. like um, I mean, we haven't been on holidays, perhaps, for, uh, for a little while, um, for obvious reasons. But, you know, when we go, maybe it's just us, but when, when we go abroad, and um, we've been able to do that a few times, and, uh, uh, you know, different years going on holiday, there's just something about Brits abroad, isn't there, that, that you can tell. And I don't know what it is, but there's just something about the way we are when we go on holiday that it's like everyone can tell. They're British. <laughs> They're English. I don't know. Maybe it's like the 6 a.m., you know, uh, uh, sunbed gauntlet. You know, you've got to run down. All the others, you know, uh, Spanish people, wherever you go, like, get up at 11. But we're like, got to get to sunbed. And there's something about us, you know, the way we queue uh, up for food and things like that. And people can tell. There's just something about us. Ah, 
They, they're British. And that's what Paul wants for the, not British, but he wants people to look and say, they're citizens of heaven. They're different. The way they carry themselves, I'm not talking about queuing now or getting some beds. I'm talking about the love, the kindness, the mercy, the grace, the generosity. See, so much of what Paul teaches his congregations is to do with how they live. And I actually think this is why I am passionate about teaching Paul. Because I think that we can lose sight of that. So we, we sort of camp out in Romans 1 to 8. And we talk about, you know, the gift of God is eternal life and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely. And we talk about this gift and this righteousness and this right standing before God. Absolutely. There's also chapters 12 to 16. And he's talking about how they live. And there's Galatians. And, you know, Galatians is the same. The, the really well-known Galatians 2 were justified by faith. But there's Galatians 3, uh, 4, 5, and 6. Talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And actually what, what really challenged that society was not just the fact that people were saying, hey, we believe in Jesus, and he was crucified and rose again. Now that was strange and it was different, but it was the fact that it made them live differently. They carried themselves differently. When Paul's saying, be citizens of heaven, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to be marked out as different. I want you to live in a way that's different. Because now, you're not characterized by your Roman citizenship. You're characterized by your kingdom citizenship. It was great that Dan started with that prayer. Your kingdom come. We are responsible. We go here, there, everywhere. We'd be citizens of heaven. And it, you know, like we, we've talked about a big weekend and other times. It doesn't need to be a huge thing. Hey, let me give you a 20 points on how Jesus can change your life. It can be, hey, how are you? That's different because most people don't do that. <laughs> but it can be, let me pray for you. It can be a bit of generosity to a neighbor, looking out for someone. All these things that mark us out as different. And we as the people of God, that's our calling to live. I am different because Jesus has changed my life. Because Jesus has changed my life. And I live that out every day. Well, that's my hope and my prayer that I live that out. And I live as someone who is different. Someone who is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to pray for us this morning. So let's bow our heads. Guys, band, if you want to come back up, we're going to worship for a few more moments. In fact, if you're able, let's stand together. Let's stand. And I just wonder if there's things today that maybe have challenged, spoken to you. Maybe today you can identify okay but not okay. Maybe you're living your life. Maybe you, you're here this morning. You don't know Jesus. And actually things seem all right, but there's something more. Let me tell you there's something more. 
Maybe you're here today and that joy in your salvation. I actually missed out saying the point about joy uh, deep down, but not too deep down. Maybe it's buried so deep that we're not showing it in who we are anymore, how we live. Maybe you need to recapture that sense of God, give me the joy of your salvation. Let me know you as I once did. Let me have that same sense of passion and enthusiasm that I did. Maybe there's a challenge, Jesus, I want to live as a citizen of heaven. And I'm going to pray for us this morning. Jesus, we thank you because you change lives. You encounter people. And when we encounter you, we are never the same again. And I pray this morning, if there are people here who have never met you, never, never come to that point of knowing who you are, Jesus, that you will reveal yourself to them. I pray, God, for each one of us who say, yes, I belong to Christ. God, I pray that we'll have that same sense of passion that we once had. Jesus, help us. Help us as we seek to be your people, citizens of the kingdom, marked out as different. I pray, God, that you will bless us as a church as we seek to put into action the vision that you've given us of being people here, there, everywhere, reaching out, so many people come to know you. Jesus, we want to live to glorify and honor your name. Glorify and honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your goodness, for your love. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.